Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the South End Zone. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I am with college football writer for Belly Up Sports, Eric Mulher, as per the usual. Eric, what's happening, dude? I'm oh, just trying to catch my breath. Uh, long weekend of football and got a little more tonight, which we'll talk about later. I uh, got one more yeah. to close out the week. Indeed, sir. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lovely Saturday of sitting on the couch. I did get to do some of that. I don't know about you, but my you know I, my ass wasn't quite sore from having to sit in the couch. But you know we're getting there. We're getting there, man. Yeah, I mean, eventually your ass will be sore from sitting on the couch so much that your back is sore from sleeping on the couch because <laughs> you know wives are only going to put up with so much. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I already caught some hell on week one. I was like, oh, God, man, it's already starting. And week one, I'm already catching hell for the amount of football. Man, it's going to be a long season. But that's okay. It's nothing that uh, all of us husbands are not used to. But speaking of week one, man, Eric, we had a uh, kind of a so-so week in week one here. We can sort of jump right into the recaps on our bets for the week. And any games that come up, uh, that are on our list of games to talk about any of the picks that come up that include those games. I suppose we could just talk about them as we bring them up and that way saves us time on the back end of discussing them. So, uh, recap us on our picks. I think you are two and or one and two yeah, with one I'm, to go. I'm relying and- on Dabo to get me to 500 for the week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not much better. I think I'm three and three right now. Yep. And uh, a possible win with Clemson will get me out of just paying the juice for the week. Mm-hmm. So, so recap us here. What are we looking at? Um, I took a shot on South Alabama winning at Tulane. I wasn't sure with all the receivers that left and Ty J Spears leaving. What you know, Tulane looked like. Hey, they could be a, a step back candidate. Um, and they really kind of tore apart a, a really good South Alabama defense. So that was kind of my upset pick. I took him at plus two hundred five. And it wasn't particularly close. Uh, Michael Pratt is a stud. Now, uh, yeah, we yeah we were both on that when I was on Tulane at six yep. and a half. And uh, man, I, I I will say this: I did I took it. You know, I said anything under a touchdown, I'd be happy with. But I did not see the twenty point beatdown that they delivered coming. That was yeah. a bit. And there surprising. was, you know, you get to a late, late third quarter, early fourth quarter. You know, South Alabama has the ball down fourteen. They got to, you know, 
get a drive going. They have a chance to cut it to a score, and they just couldn't couldn't cover that ground. And no. um, you know, Pratt was just. He's pretty good. Speaking of good quarterbacks who had an excellent day, uh, I did hit on Washington minus 14 and a half versus Boise. And <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. Uh, looks every bit as good as he did last year. So that was a win there. I caught a real guy. This is the worst beat I've caught in, in a while. Um, West Virginia and State. I know. It. Oh, yeah. Under 50 and a half. You did as well. Um, I, I, you, I was about to say, I was on it this with game, you. which we'll talk about. Um, yeah. <sighs> that was a winning bet for 59.9 minutes, literally. Uh, uh, Penn yeah. State's backup quarterback takes a, a five-yard keeper in with seven seconds left and goes over. So uh, what are you going to do? Those are the breaks. Um, and then I'm on Clemson minus 12 and a half at Duke, as are you. Uh, we talked about the under, the West Virginia Penn State under that you missed. You did hit. Now that touchdown did allow you to cover your twenty and a half with Penn State. Yeah, yeah. They, so, that both of our bets were like doomed when they let West Virginia score. Yeah, late. that was the big was thing. Like, is like, yeah, fine. You want to get the backup some run, cool, right? But just don't let these dudes march down the field. Yeah. Um, yeah, at that point, I remember texting you. I was like, well, at this point, I hope they just score and go, yeah, and, you know, hit, right. hit and the least, minus 20 and a half. And at least I only have to pay the juice. Right. Um, we talked about Tulane. You had them at minus six and a half. That was an easy cover. You had Florida State plus two and a half, which was not just an easy cover. That was, we'll, we'll cover that one in depth here in a minute, but that was obviously a winner. Yeah, that was a bloodbath. You took UTSA minus a point and a half at Houston. They did not cover that, and they did not win outright. No. So yeah, was that's a heartbreaker. And probably your biggest regret, I think, of the week was taking South Carolina at plus 116 on the money line. Oh, God. And South that's Carolina. Our, that's our last bet to cover, so we can just jump right into the game recaps because that was on the list. And I'm going to sum up this game in one sentence. South Carolina gave up nine sacks, 16 tackles for loss, and ran for negative two yards. Man. So I don't know what else, like, (laughs) we need as far as, like, analysis of how that game went. Well, I'll I'll say this. I've I've had all the last two days to think about this, and I took the under on South Carolina at six and a half. I took them to get to six wins because I did have questions about the offensive line, and I thought there was way too many toss-up games on the schedule. And they got gutted in the transfer portal. However, I did think that they would be able to do something, anything, against North Carolina's paper-thin defense. And they made North Carolina look like the 85 Bears. I mean, they, they couldn't block them. North Carolina just was pitching a tent in their backfield all day. Yeah, 16 and tackles for loss is an insane number. That's, it's that's one like of the a quarter wor- of their plays. Yeah, it's one of the worst performances I've seen blocking against a team that similar talent to you. You know, North Carolina probably a little bit more talented. They've recruited a little better, but it's similar. You're in the same tier, you know, of – talent recruiting wise and man just complete and utter dominance 
you know, kudos to North Carolina, but I, I don't want to overreact and say, oh my God, North Carolina's defense is good now. I don't necessarily buy that. Yeah, I think pump it's the brakes more on that one. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Carolina's offense. Yeah, we talked about it in the, in the SEC East episode. Like yeah. our question was, I talked about it in my my win totals preview article for the website. Mm-hmm. Like their their offensive line was aggressively mediocre last year, and they're only bringing two guys back from that line, so it's a concern. And I didn't think. Oh, boy, I'm concerned for them because I took the over, I think, six and a half, if I remember right. Um, If they look like that up front against North Carolina, playing their schedule and the teams they play, it it might be a long year. Um, Because the thing about being bad up front on the O-line, that's not something you can typically fix in season. No. I mean, Um, you can can improve it somewhat. If you... You can improve it somewhat if, like, there's still competition and you can find the right mixture of dudes. That's yeah. one thing. But 16 tackles for a loss, nine sacks, you're not going to fix that in season. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm concerned about that overpick. Um, let's go to another SEC team that lost. Oh, boy. And let's talk about Florida going out to Utah. Oh man, I, I, I really enjoyed watching this game. It was, but I, and I don't want to sit here and say, Oh my God. Yeah. It went exactly how I thought it would go. It was similar. I mean, you remember the reason I did not lay a bet on this game is because I did not trust Florida's offense. I, I was just like, I don't know if they can score cam rising or no cam rising. I don't feel comfortable with it because I, Utah has a good defense and I don't think Florida can score. And whew, man, it uh, was a real go for Florida's offense. It was uh, not easy to move it down the field. I'm trying to pull up the score here. I'm <laughs> yeah, me too. I, they moved the ball okay from the the parts of the game I watched. They moved the ball okay. They just stalled out due to either sacks uh, or penalties. I mean, they made a, just a ton of mistakes and. Yeah, and if you would have told me that Graham Mertz was going to throw the ball 44 times, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have bet against that. I would have been like, right. what? And 333? Yeah, I, I would have not thought that he would be throwing it 40-plus times. I, I don't really understand what they're trying to do. Maybe they don't just have any faith in their offensive line to produce a run game. But, I mean, ETN rushes for seven attempts. That's it? it like, that's all you're going to give that dude? I don't really understand yeah, what Florida you take was out, trying to do there. You, you take out the sacks. Actually, you just take out Mertz entirely, and they ran 12 times for 43 yards, right, with the backs. Yeah. Um, but five sacks, seven tackles for loss, nine penalties. They And there were, there were penalties at the worst times too, right, a, a false start when you're on the one-yard line. Okay, on I think it was fourth and one, so they ended up having to kick it. Um you know, they gave up a sack that kind of pushed them out of go for it territory, had to kick and end up missing the field goal. And then they had the worst, uh, the absolute dumbest penalty in football that you can take. <laughs> and that is the illegal <laughs> substitution penalty because you have two players on the field at the same time with the same jersey number. And oh, they did man. that. 
they did that when Utah was about to punt on fourth and three. So dagger, (laughs) the dagger, right? And they score three or four plays later. They score to go up fourteen to three. I mean, so there's it's a little different from South Carolina because yeah, they were not better up front than Utah, but they this was a winnable game if they didn't have all those penalties at the worst time. They they outgained Utah by seventy six yards. Um, but you know, it came down to it. They were one for thirteen on third down because they were in third and long a lot. Um, because I couldn't run the ball and yep. defensively, I thought other than the one, uh, long pass where the guys kind of one took the other guy out, one guy misplayed it and ended up being uh, a 70 yard touchdown on Utah's first play. Other than that, they really didn't give up a whole lot uh, outside of that play. Utah had 200 yards. Yeah. I, it's a pretty common theme amongst, uh, the middle class and even some of the upper class of the sec. All the teams that lost, they lost because they can't fucking run the ball. LSU mm-hmm. could not run the ball against Florida State. Period. Let's talk we'll about talk- that one because that, that well, I, we'll- I found it interesting that the three SEC teams that lost this weekend lost because they got bullied up front in large yeah. part. Yeah. Um, and that's not something I thought I would say about the LSU-Florida State game. No. No, I didn't think LSU would be bullied up front, but uh, the se- <laughs> you know, cue the Cue the Jim Mora uh, soundbite about the second half where they just got their asses totally kicked because uh, Florida State went on a, what, 31 to zip run in the second half? Yeah, 31 unanswered. And yeah. I think it ended up being 38 to seven, you know, total second half points. But they, or maybe it's 31 to three. I don't remember. It was a lot. Uh, to yeah, LSU hardly any. Yeah, they scored a touchdown in garbage time. But uh, okay. Yeah, it, yeah, it was uh, not. Not a gentle beatdown. It was just a brutal. We just got our ass totally kicked. It was an ass kicking in the second half. And I'm going to tell you what. The, the thing about this game, LSU missed so many opportunities early to capitalize on Florida mm-hmm. State mistakes. And they just repeatedly let shit slip through their fingers. And I just wanted to be like, what? Are, God, if you guys would just take advantage of these opportunities, it would be like 21 to 3 right now. But instead... They let them hang around. They keep making mistakes. And then at halftime, Florida State adjusted and LSU did not. And, man, it it really showed. And uh, LSU's defense looked completely and utterly gassed in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I I think they went three and out twice in a row. Um, You know, Florida State scored touchdowns on four straight possessions. And, you know, you work a couple of three and outs in there and you're on the field a lot and there's already questions about your secondary and you're missing a guy up front and you, for some reason, have elected to take your best player on defense and put him in a role that does not get him as involved as he should be. So, uh, like, I don't, oh, man, you know, yeah, what that is, a, th- that's a mystery. <laughs> Perkins, why the fuck is he? He rushed the quarterback nine times in the game. Nine. Yeah. That's it. Why is he not going after the quarterback like 90% of the yeah, time? That's not, he, that's not, he, you know, nine pressures or nine hurries or nine plays where he was not a spy and not in coverage, right? He was in coverage, I think 27 or 28 is what I saw the count was. He, he's not, he's not the guy. No, I don't know. But yeah, you take your best pass rusher and you basically take him out of that role. And I understand wanting to have a quarterback of the defense. But man, find somebody else who can call the plays. Like that dude needs to have his hand in the dirt or just on a knee 
and be going after the fucking quarterback because that's what he's good at. And he will make millions of the do- millions of dollars in the pros doing that. But I mean, here we are. I don't know. We talked about it with Preston Gott in the offseason where are you sure that's a good idea putting Perkins in the middle? And they did it anyway. But the reason I took the under on LSU was for two reasons. One, I didn't feel like they were going to be able to run the ball all that well because I don't really care for their running back room. And I had questions about their secondary. And their secondary got absolutely torched by Keon Coleman, which, by the way, that guy is a boss, in uh, in case yeah. you didn't know. He's, he's good at football. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, Norvell just continues to hit grand slams in the fucking transfer portal. I mean, how many dudes has this guy gotten from the transfer portal that's on that roster right now that is just an absolute stud? Jaheim Bell. Well, his quarterback, his quarterback that threw for three forty-two and four touchdowns as a transfer. (laughs) His quarterback, Um, I mean, Coleman obviously is a transfer. Johnny Wilson's a transfer. Jaheim Bell's a transfer. Jared Verse Verse is a transfer. Uh, Yep, I've I've said it repeatedly on here. I don't think anyone has done as well pulling guys out of the portal and and turning them into impact players as well as Norvell. I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah. I would have I would have to agree with that. You know, Mel Tucker had a great year bringing in uh, Kenneth Walker up there yeah. in the transfer portal, hit a home run with him, but nobody has got the just kind of consistent, just huge number of players contributing to your team at an extremely high level and like got NFL scouts like drooling over them like right. Norvell has with these guys. So Yeah, like a year ago, Jared Verse played his he was an FCS transfer. No one had heard yeah. of him. They they found out about him by accident because they yeah. their defensive coordinator was watching tape of Syracuse's offense, right? Yeah, he played for scouting. like Play like Albany, Albany? Albany. yeah, and yeah. Syracuse was playing Albany, so he's trying to scout Syracuse, see what they're going to do on offense. He's like, you know, he and he does the Conor McGregor, you know, <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, he's like, man, who who is this guy? Figures out who he is, and hey, can keep an eye on him. Hits the portal; they're the only ones really going after him. Yeah, and they now get him, and he's going to be probably a, sh- a top ten pick. Yeah, probably if he continues to play at this level, there's no doubt he'll be a first rounder. I think he probably, I mean, he arguably may have been a first rounder had he have gone out this year. We he don't probably know. would have. I, I think a lot of the mock drafts I saw before he declared he or not declared, but before he said he was coming back, a lot of the early mock drafts had him like in the top twenty. Um, yeah, but well, oh man, speaking of transfers, yeah, oh yeah, boy. that's an easy segue there. Oh boy, this. I, we're not. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, we're not going to go deep into this game because it's all over every major media outlet. And if you want to know about Colorado, just turn the fucking TV on because they'll be licking Coach Prime's butthole on national TV and on the radio and on podcast. Everybody's talking about how great Colorado is. So I will say this. Kudos to Colorado. Shadur Sanders can fucking spin it. He's a pretty good passer. He impressed me with some of the throws he made. Travis Hunter is amazing. We knew that already. He's a freak of nature. But, man, TCU, dude. Like, I I don't know that I've seen defense that bad since, like, the Oklahoma-Kansas game a couple of years ago. You remember how bad that one was? Yeah. They had, like, 28 missed tackles in a game. Yeah, there was was, uh... a... This resembled that for me. Old Miss had a couple of games a few years, I think yeah. during the 2020 season where it was like 
based on starting field position, you could have gotten X number of yards and then your total yeah. yards is like 85% of that. Like they just couldn't <laughs> stop a wet fart. Um, <laughs> so I'll say this about Colorado. They were, they were the better team because they avoided the mistakes that TCU did not avoid. They, especially early, right? So TCU's playing a lot of like too deep or shell, uh, everything in front of them. And Shadur Sanders was perfectly content to be like, okay, well, if you're going to give me six yards here, I'll take the six yards, right? Or I'll throw a, a four-yard route to this guy in the flat. Maybe he makes a guy miss and turns it into 11, right? And he didn't pass. He, he didn't like go past 100 yards passing until I think his 16th attempt. He was like 13 for 16. It was just a little bit of dink and dunk. Uh, they ran the ball okay. And once TCU kind of moved up, then they started taking the deep shots. But um, 9 to 15 on third down and 2 to 2 on fourth down. They had four receivers w- who had at least five catches and 117 yards, uh, including Travis Hunter, who also had an, an interception. Played 129 saps, which I have serious doubts he'll be able to do that consistently throughout a full season, but we'll see. Um, but TCU, I mean, they turned the ball over twice in the red zone, 10 penalties. It was a sloppy game. Yeah. It was the, ugly. And the I don't, I, I try really hard not to question, you know, college coaches and coordinators about play calling because what I know about play calling, you know, compared to them or what they see, you know, in their decision-making process, you could fit inside of a paper bag. But if you are averaging seven yards a carry like TCU did, I don't understand why, why you're throwing it 42 times. Yeah. Especially. And on that note, I mean, they abandoned it for like a drive at a time. Yeah, and when Colorado is throwing for 500 yards, it's like, man, we got to take the air out of this thing and keep their damn offense off the field, like run the ball, fucking slow the game down, let the clock tick, and control the tempo of the game. Don't just throw it three times, go three and out, and give it right back to them and let them throw right down the field like they were. I don't understand the game planning. It's like you had a whole offseason to prepare for this. Now, granted, we didn't know what Colorado was going to do, but they didn't run the ball. Colorado ran for like less than 30 yards. They don't run the ball. I mean, it just all they did was sit back and huck it deep. And yeah, they really used kind of like, uh, you know, the, the leech Mississippi state teams or the Washington state teams. They yeah. really just used the short passing game as a run game and mm-hmm. try to bring you up and then maybe go down the field. But I just, yep. You know, great, great job for Colorado. Congratulations to them. They played the better game and they deserve to win. Now, does that mean that they're legit Pac-12 contenders? I don't know because I suspect that TCU might not be very, might not be very good, particularly on defense. And really everything kind of went right for them. You know, Shadur Sanders is not going to throw for 500 yards every game. Travis Hunter is not going to have 110 reception or receiving yards and pick off a pass every game. They're not, they're not going to play some, a team that turns over in the red zone twice every game. Right. So everything kind of broke their way and they won by three points. So I am personally not quite ready. You know, I need to, to see it a couple more times before I crown them. Yeah. 
I, I'm but I did not think they'd win this game. So, and they did. <laughs> think, so, and you know, yeah. can't rule anything out, I guess. Well, like we knew, we have, knew they had talented guys. Yeah. I, I just have trouble giving much credit to any team that when you win, you still give up 42 points. It's like, are you, uh, I mean, what are you going to do when you run well, into I, a team that can play defense? Right. Like how sustainable is that? Mm. Yeah. That, so, I don't think it's that sustainable. So and that's we'll what I, I mean. Keep. It was an entertaining game. It, it kept me glued to it. I just am not, you know, it, it's throwing my under three and a half in doubt. They are better than I thought. I will say that they're, they are a better team than I thought they would be. Well, you know, if they can I, keep it up into the season, cause I'm not sure about their depth still. We'll, we'll time will tell, but I, you know, a month ago, I would have said like 5% chance they make a bowl game. Yeah. And now I'd probably be more like 35, 40. Like it's, yeah. it's a little more reasonable of a goal for them. I think for me, well, I'm with Hunter who fucking cares about Colorado anyway, <laughs> but a lot of people. Yeah, apparently so. But uh, again, I'm not going to try. I just don't want to overreact to either one. I think it was a crazy game, but with lots of hype and a lot of eyes and TC made some mistakes and Colorado pretty much played mistake free. So mm-hmm. good for them. But I will say this to close out this Colorado discussion, all you morons on CBS and ESPN and Fox who are saying, is this the new way in college football, just taking 50 transfers a year? No, it's not. It's not sustainable. Look at the back-to-back national champs. How many transfers has well, Georgia taken in the last It's not even season? that. It's just, I, I would question whether any other coach other than Deion Sanders could do it. That's like, true. I, I think, you know um, – well, like the, like an example would be Cal. They took a shit ton of transfers this offseason and dropped mm-hmm. a 50-burger on North Texas. Or Texas State, who took a shit ton of like the third most transfers in the country and ended up beating Baylor. I mean, holy shit. You know, they beat Baylor. Nice fucking job. So, it, yeah, it might get you a win. It might get you something here. You might have one good season out of it, but sustainable winning, winning championships, no. I, I don't think... I think high school recruiting is still king in that department personally. So, yeah, I mean, I think most, most of the the more successful programs are, are heavily into high school recruiting and then use the transfer portal to kind of fill holes as they come up. Right. Indeed. Like in Alabama or in Ohio state or Georgia or whoever. So, yeah. Well, speaking of Alabama and Ohio state, which that's a good segue, we can talk about both of these teams because they both had quarterback battles going on mm-hmm. and both of those conversations at least one of them i think is very clearly answered and that yeah. would be jalen jalen milrow is in my opinion now the clear-cut number one starter at alabama he had a great game against middle tennessee state yeah sure it's middle tennessee state say what you want but first uh player in school history to rush for two touchdowns and throw for three touchdowns in a game i couldn't believe hurts never did that but nonetheless yeah, that was shocking first. Yeah, I was I was a little bit taken aback by that. I was like, wow, I, I didn't know, realize Hertz never did that. But nonetheless, he looked electric. He did, you know, make a little bit, uh, some questionable throws here and there, some balls that were underthrown, things like that. But I don't know that they were just really open the playbook up wide for Middle Tennessee State. So 
No, I don't think any of these like top 10 teams who played far inferior opponent. Georgia's the same way. Like we don't need to talk about Georgia, but there's a lot of Yeah. Um I don't even know what the word is, stupidity, I guess, floating around about how, oh, well, they're you know, they were only up seven nothing at the end of their first quarter. I was like So what? Yeah. The final was forty eight to seven. Do you like, think relax. Kirby Smart cares if he wins fifty six to seven or thirty eight to seven? Like, do you think no. that keeps him up at night? No. Go win, right? Get the effort you want, get the execution you want, win the game, use the tape to figure out, you know, what you have done well or what you need to do better. Don't get anybody hurt and then move on. They're gonna do the same shit next week against Ball State. I promise you. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, they did it last year when the season opened. They stumbled yeah. against like Samford or somebody. Samford, they they came out flat against Samford and had a couple yep. issues, you know, pump fumbles and um, yeah. Welcome penalties. to the world of when you're when you're Georgia or Alabama yeah. or Ohio State or whoever, and you play some scrub team. It's hard to get up for a team you know you're going to be fifty to nothing. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah. same thing with Kent State. They played Kent State, and it was just kind of like, a, oh god, they were just sort of sleepwalking through it. That it's yep. going to happen. It will, um, no doubt. But, yep, so Jalen Milrow, QB1 for Bama, looked pretty good. Got Texas this week. We'll talk about that on our show tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Should be a big-time game. I think Bama is a seven-point seven right Seven now. when I looked this morning. Yeah, so that should be interesting, man. We'll see what Milrow is made of uh, pretty early. And then uh, the other quarterback battle, Ohio State. I, I mean, I would think it's settled, given how much he played compared to the other guy, but Kyle McCord – started about 90% of the game and he looked uh, mm, meh would be the word that I yeah see I didn't watch any with. of that game but from what I've read um the reactions were this. not fantastic no and I could tell you this much uh Marvin Harrison and Mika Edbuk I always botch his name up Ibuka, um, yeah yeah that guy <laughs> um I don't know I don't know why I can't say his name I always do though but uh they pretty much were non-existent. He made them disappear. And it was just a lot of just, eh, you know, five yards in a temp kind of stuff. And they didn't run the ball particularly well. The defense looked pretty good, I thought. I mean, but I think some of that is the fact that Indiana's offense is just trash. Their quarterbacks made some terrible throws. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to overreact to it because it's kind of the same thing. It's hard to get up to play Indiana, but Indiana gave him some problems. You know, they their middle linebacker, 44, I cannot remember the, his name for the life of me, but he was all over the field, mm-hmm. giving them problems in all kinds of ways. So I think Ohio State's defense is going to be really, really good this year. But offensively, man, they're going to have to figure something out at the QB position because he did not look very dynamic. Their offense did not look explosive. And if they don't get it figured out before they play Notre Dame, it, it's uh, they could be in trouble. So that, that was my analogy there. And then the only other game that I wanted to kind of highlight here was Joe Milton's game at Tennessee. So, I thought uh, Joe Milton looked pretty good, man. I mean, they they handled Virginia, which we expected them to. They were a 28-point favorite. They did cover that. If you were listening to the show, maybe you took my advice and got on it. But uh, I thought Milton looked pretty good. It'll be interesting to see if he can use that rocket of an arm to 
make some tighter throws when his guys don't have a ton of separation. That's really the only question that I have about Tennessee at this point. I thought they ran the ball well. I thought the defense looked pretty good for most of the game. And Milton looked pretty damn good. He's just, you know, he throws that hard as shit and far as shit, but can he make the tight throws like Hooker was making last year? That's really Mm -hmm. the only question mark I have for them. Yeah, he's got a lot fewer tight throws to make than most quarterbacks, though, with that yeah. with that system and how they use space. I still don't understand it entirely, how Tennessee has so many guys running around wide open all the time, like way more than anyone else. But he he even had a, a long touchdown that was just dropped. Like his numbers, as impressive as they were, could have been much better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my my final note of the week that I wanted to touch on, how fucking awesome is it that Brian Ferentz was told you need to score 25 points a game yep. this year or you're gone and they score 24. <laughs> Fight the power. Thought, oh man. I thought that was just, Oh God. Like you couldn't script it. I just see him on the sideline. Just like resist, you know, like, <laughs> so Not yeah, sure the, you- the Not the Ferentz Hunger good. Games tracker has him at uh, either twenty five point one or twenty five point two the rest of the way. He's got a oh yeah, I can't wait to see it. And then uh, some other quarterback notes before we close it out here. Uh, DJU looked fantastic for mm-hmm. Oregon State. They thumped San Jose State to the tune of forty two seventeen. DJU looked really really good. So maybe he's figured something out finally, and we might uh, be able to you know, him to tap into that potential we saw from him as a freshman. Yeah. And and uh, we talked about it where maybe, maybe it's just a scheme thing doing some, some stuff, maybe more under center play action that he might be more comfortable with. And you have a back like Martinez, you, you can run play action and the defense has to respect it because that dude is an animal. Yeah. He's an absolute beast. Back to our freshman of the year, a year ago. He's a guy that we highlighted on the show that you needed to look out for. And, uh, you know, kudos to that guy. He's taken it and ran with it, literally. And then uh, another quarterback competition that sort of got settled was uh, Ole Miss. Jackson Dart got the nod, played most of the game, and uh, they dropped a 70 spot on Mercer. So I would say Jackson Dart will continue to be the dude for Ole Miss. So good for him. And then anything other than that that we need to highlight, we talked about Baylor just inexplicably losing to Texas State. Uh, Texas Tech did happen to drop one to Wyoming mm -hmm. uh, in double overtime. Bad for them. Not a good look for Texas Tech and Baylor in week one. I think our overs, respectively, on those teams may be in trouble. Yeah, Dave Randa's got me sweating. I (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a 0% chance that you're going through, you know, in the preview season and not marking that as a W. Yeah. So, well, yeah, they got to gotta sneak one. They got to steal one somewhere. Indeed. And speaking of stealing one, Minnesota, uh, once again, Nebraska steals defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> loses another sub touchdown <sighs> score game. <laughs> poor, poor Nebraska fans, man. I, I feel for them so bad. It's I like just, pathological at this point. Like they, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I got nothing. I, I don't know. What else can you say? There's I not much you can say. I just don't know. I, I mean, they, and they had, they had plenty of opportunity. You know, they threw, they threw a pick in the end zone at the end of the first half. They threw another one, I think down close. Um, 
they're just just like florida like great you move the ball and then make a mistake that that 40 yards you gain doesn't matter you still have the same number of points on the scoreboard so you got to clean that up indeed all right man well i think that's going to wrap us up for today you can find us on social media at south end zone pod you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. And we will be back with you tomorrow night once all these lines come out. And uh, we'll be dropping some bets on week two of college football. Some marquee mm-hmm. matchups and some real stinkers in there, too. So uh, may have to go back to the well a little bit. Um, I was I was looking down in your well this afternoon when I saw that number. And I was like, boy, you know. That's that's tempting to hop in the bucket and reel myself down. I indeed. Uh, longtime listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Newer listeners may have to tune back in tomorrow to find out who the well is. Indeed, and I should have been on the well this week. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. But, yeah, you know. they rolled right. They just stroked. Oh yeah. Butt. Oh yeah. They crushed them. So. I don't know, but we'll figure it out tomorrow. And uh, until then, catch you guys later on. Thank you very much. Have a great day.